Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have my friend Albert Omas back on the show. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know we have had Albert on a few times, and this time we have him back with a vengeance. We really wanted to expose some of the things we've been thinking about and talking about in regards to the industry we're working within and give us all something to think about and what's going on with what we're doing and why we're doing it. This could potentially be a bit of a controversial show, so if you are pregnant or have high blood pressure, you might want to skip this one. Totally joking. All jokes aside, we hope you enjoy this episode and it gets a conversation going between us all on where we are going with everything. So sit back and enjoy the Omos Blast of TCP episode 175. Let's roll. First and foremost, thanks for coming coming on the show again. Um, I called you and I mentioned you know how how I felt bad because on the last episode we were all together. I know that Bradley and Mike and I we just you know we're like Chatty Cathy's. We just keep go on and on and just run over everybody in a conversation. So after the conversation, I was like, oh, you know what, Albert didn't get much time to shine in that. So I was like, we need to do one not only just for that, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that have been going on with you that I think would be fun to talk about. And then, um, bigger ideas, things I'd love to talk to you about, about some of the things we talked about in our last conversation, which is the evolution of the art form, what's going on in the, in the community, what's going on in, in our industry or, or, um, in the industry, um, and kind of your thoughts on those things and just some, you know, things that you've been thinking about and food for thought, basically lots of stuff to cover though. So yeah yeah for sure i'm excited yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> nailed nice. it dude i set you up to do a slam dunk and you just like i don't know you fell over or something <laughs> i'm just i'm just messing uh but no i mean since we talked i mean if you if you're listening to the show you and if you've missed 169 uh albert has gone on he's left um man buck he's left buck and he's up at microsoft now working with ar mr and vr um, up at their super covert team up there and, and seems to be enjoying himself up there in Portland, right? Is it Portland? I'm in Redmond. Redmond. Okay. So it's in Washington, Washington. Okay. Um, but you're up there in the green, the green mist basically, right? Yeah. Up here in the rainforest. <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous up there, but it's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the weather's a little rough. I'm, uh, <laughs> This California boy is not doing too well, but uh, <laughs> I could. I just do need. It. Some, I need some sun every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Sun is important. I think it's important for everybody to see the sun every once in a while. Yeah. You, as you we record this, I I have my little happy light uh, going. It's like supposed to like stimulate me and give me like fake sunlight so that I happy light. Yeah, it's like a. What I don't know. That? It's like a light that mimics the sun because the sun never comes out. Oh. So I have a light at my desk to like simulate sunlight. Interesting. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm very fortunate because it, we're down here in San Diego and it's just sunny all the time. So, um, it's very rare. I mean, when we get clouds, I'm like, wow, clouds. And I grab my camera. I'm like, Oh, look, it's a cloud. It's moisture. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, we, it's kind of crazy. We've had like rain and snow and there's a, there's a rad mountain range like nearby, up in the hills and it's been really cool. I went up there into the snow this weekend. It was really cool. So, 
But yeah, I'm looking up this happy light. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you have it on your desk? Yeah. Is it just pushing light at your face? Yeah, it's like super bright. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. It's stimulating. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, I was going to go dark there, but I'm not going to. So yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about your transition and, you know, why and becoming a father and stuff. And a lot of it, we were talking a little bit about both of our frustrations with the industry. Um, you've kind of left the industry in a way, wouldn't you say? Or you're still involved with it, but in a different capacity, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely kind of escaped that uh, that whole like studio, uh, the studio side of the industry. And I think now I'm kind of more on the client side almost um, like coming up with concepts and then now hiring studios to kind of create some of our, some of our concepts for us. Mm. So yeah, kind of switch sides over to the client side a little bit. And how do you like that in comparison? Does it give you a good perspective as to like why and how things might've gone wrong in the past or is it just kind of an interesting transition for you? Well, I mean, to me it was almost like kind of, uh, it's almost like inevitable. I think that, um, I mean, tech companies are the five biggest companies in the country right now. They're the only ones with money and they're the ones that are buying all the commercials, buying all the motion graphics. Um, and yeah, for the Who are last those couple, companies um, that you're talking about, you got Google? Um, I think it's Google, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and uh, maybe Facebook. Um, yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Let's see that. Okay. Cause they're, they're buying everything else, right? They're like the big conglomerates now. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like oil companies were the top companies. Now it's tech, which is, I don't know, it's kind of mind-boggling to try to figure out like where where all that value is or where it comes from. But but yeah, I mean, I just kind of saw the writing on the wall that these companies were, they were our only clients at Buck. We were, we were doing more and more work for them and the work that we were doing for them was becoming increasingly more um, kind of esoteric and more related to tech um we started doing less and less like straight up commercials tv commercials and we were moving into like doing software and creating assets for their software and um you know creating masks for snapchat kind of things and Hmm. just everything started to get more and more tech centric and um yeah it just seemed like that was the the next logical move was to just go work at one of these tech companies Hmm. um yeah. yeah, there's a trend, you know, I think it's good to, we talked a lot about this or having a lens, right? Like having a lens of when you're working in this industry, you're looking at it very closely when you're, cause if you're like, um, I guess what Christo would call like a bricklayer or whatever, which is what I am. And, but I'm also, I like to do both sides of things personally. Um, and it's really difficult, but when you're in this industry and you're working um, with your hands, getting your hands dirty, uh, you're like right in the minutiae. You're, you're almost too covered in the noise to really see it, but it's really good oftentimes to take a step out and go climb the mountain, look down at the town of the industry basically and see like, Oh, look at that. That's really weird. Or there's a trend happening over there. Or, um, just as often something that you do is a self-reflection. How did this come about? Did, is this something you were just kind of building up or, um, like how did you come to this consensus and see kind of like the writing on the wall? Well, I mean, working at Buck, you, you know, you work with a lot of, um, you work with a lot of like young people, interns, visa employees, people that are very like, very hungry to just create, you know, they just want to make something they want to, um, be creative. And to that they'll, they'll almost work for free. And, um, 
you know, a lot of this industry, I think, kind of runs on that. It runs on that free energy, that energy that's created by people just wanting to be involved in something creative. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of under, other industries, you don't really have that that free energy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like as I started to get more, more and more expenses and I have kids and stuff, it's like you can't be competing on the same playing field as people who are willing to like give so much away for free and um you know looking at looking at these tech companies what they pay what the benefits are and the fact that they're all building their own teams so that they don't have to go to these studios to make these commercials and to make these assets um is i mean if you look at the numbers it just makes sense that like why wouldn't you just go work at one of these companies who get paid triple quadruple what you're making one of these studios you'll have better benefits and uh, the cost is that, you know, maybe you're not working on the coolest stuff or the stuff that you're working on, you don't get to show it. Um, yeah. That's so it's it's a trade-off, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's um, you are creatively stimulated daily or is it more of just a kind of different experience for you? Yeah, it's it's kind of a different experience. You're, you're stimulated in other ways. I mean, there's so many genius people there there's like scientists working on all sorts of crazy research there's you know there's all sorts of programmers and just like very very smart people in all sorts of different areas um you get inspired in in different ways and you know rather than just trying to make you know the sickest illustration or the sickest characters or whatever what um, come on it's just (laughs) it's true you know it's yeah it it just it kind of becomes a little bit more of an intellectual exercise a little bit more complex Mm. um and that's not, I don't think that's for everybody necessarily. If you really just want to focus on, you know, making cool graphics, then, um, yeah, you might get more out of working at a smaller studio, working on stuff with a little bit more creative freedom where the stakes aren't as high, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that when we talked about it, um, it was kind of like a dream of mine, but I know it's not possible really for myself. At least I'm not going to let it happen for a while because I'm just always, I don't know. I make life hard for myself, I guess. But you said that the one thing that you enjoy about your job now is probably not always like this, but for the most part, you're able to, you're able to divide work and life, you know, so you can do your job, do the best you can when you're at your job, you know? Um, and then when you go home, it's like, you're able to have that mental capacity for your family and your kids and then whatever, whatever other endeavor you're into, which we'll get into that later on. Um, but, um, that's really cool. You know, I think the thing about, um, the industry that, uh, like this creative industry, I don't, what would we call this industry? Like the one that like, you know, I'm involved with Buck is involved with all these kind of companies. Is it the motion graphics industry? Is it the sound yeah. entertainment industry? industry? <laughs> I mean, what is yeah. it? I mean, yeah, I guess it depends where you want to draw the circle. I mean, cause it's, you could loop, I mean, you could, you could group motion graphics and visual effects together, but those businesses are kind of separate and they, they kind of almost have different business models. Yeah. Um, or you could, yeah, you could wrap it around all of entertainment and then it's like a really wide net that you're casting. So mm-hmm. I struggle with that too of like what what industry do we do we work in exactly? Yeah, what is it? And that's one thing I've been kind of trying to pinpoint too because the goal of this conversation is to kind of bring light some conversation, some, some ideas and some things that, you know, have been sitting on the cusp of a lot of our minds, I think, and try to, I don't know, lock down some of these things that are weird and abstract and also just maybe trying to help encourage better practices, I guess, you know, because for the most part, um, a lot of it seems like you, you hit it on the head, I think is where 
a lot of these studios and I'm, we'll talk about your Twitter account too, which I think is <laughs> quite amazing. Um, if you don't follow Albert's Twitter feed, yeah, you should. Cause it's awesome. Um, it's really quite funny, but, um, the interesting thing is like where studios will ask you for say, like, um, this is a dilemma we've talked about too, where studios, um, that you, you're, you're hired for to do a job, they'll ask you for your project files. And, um, that's really weird. You know, I had that happen recently and it, it felt really weird for me because, um, and your analogy was, it's almost like, Hey, you're hiring me to make a painting, not to give you like my, my studio and paints and everything, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's the same kind of analogy and what they're doing, um, it's not clever because I could see right through it. But if they're, if they're asking for your files they're basically trying to see how they can replace you so they don't have to hire you or not pay you, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, I don't know if that's the end all for them, but that's one of the main goals, I think, because they're, they're trying to decipher what it is about your secret sauce that makes you secret so they can replicate it and hire somebody like you mentioned for free labor, basically, or very cheap so that they can continue on carrying on and I don't know, like rapidly create more crap. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what's the end goal here? You know, so but what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you've had this happen. What's your thoughts on, you know, working for a client and what would what do you do and, and how do you react to that kind of thing? And what could we give to the community to maybe possibly help in some kind of capacity? Well yeah, I mean I think this is this has been going on for a long time. I mean I remember when I first started at Buck, we would make an end tag and then um, we'd have to package those like After Effects projects up to give to some other studio downstream that would then take those After Effects projects and kind of like replace all the text for the different regions and, um, you know, just make endless versions of this thing. So they would pay like, you know, the expensive studio to set the groundwork and then, you know, pay a cheaper studio to kind of replicate it a million times. Yeah. Um, this newer thing that I've seen, though, and uh, I think this is kind of cutting edge, is that like these dynamic videos, um, like the ones that you'll see on Facebook that uh, studios like Buck have been doing, where they're literally like designing a system for Facebook to create billions of videos. Hmm. So it's it's like beyond the idea of like giving away project files. It's like the the project files are everything, and then they use their back end to like fill these videos up with like you know, content from billions of people. So it, instead of making one video, now you've made a billion videos. Yeah. So how do you charge for that? I, I really royalty honestly don't or know. Some, something like that. I would think it's probably yeah. the equivalent of a royalty, a creative royalty or something like that. And if that's not happening in the, in the business practice, I would, it's almost like, um, let's try to find an equivalent in an older market, kind of like, let's say print, right? So if you were to make something, um, you know, I'm big into studying the masters and stuff and say like, um, Rembrandt or something like that. And then let's say ironically, like Gutenberg's press and then they figured out how to replicate Rembrandt's press or his work via, I don't know, wood press or whatever. Um, there's gotta be some sort of like royalty that kicks down to the, to the original creator. I would think so. It would make sense. You know, um, I don't see why it wouldn't. A lot of this stuff is so weird because it's, it's almost like these massive opportunities are getting smashed on or missed or completely abandoned or non seen. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, I guess people not seeing the value in what they're doing potentially, uh, or they do and they, they just don't have the, the, uh, the gusto to kind of ask for those things, you know, but that's the equivalent. I would think it's just like, you wouldn't, um, 
you wouldn't think it was fair or right to get a painter's like replication without like at least getting some sort of kick down to that person, you know? So I guess it's because it's become so many ones and zeros and it's so abstract for the most part for people, you know, it's like when they, when I think the normal person looks at the work that we do, a lot of times I, I think they just go like, Oh, you just like go in the computer and the computer has got these buttons. And then it's just like, bam, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, then, the software. Yeah. This, I mean, that's like the number one question I get all the time. Like when somebody finds out what I do, they go like, Oh, did you go to school for that? And I said, oh, no, not really. I'm just like mostly self-taught. And then I think they think that, Oh, it's like anybody can do this and it's quite easy, you know? And then I have to kind of explain it like, no, it's not. And it's really quite complex and it takes years of effort and hard work <laughs> and it's incredibly no, uh, nebulous, but it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know. Like I, this is what I would propose. And this is kind of after that I had that happened. Um, cause the, the, the person, the client kind of got a little irate with me cause I was like, what you want my project <laughs> files? I was like, fuck off. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, I don't know. That's just weird. Um, cause I'm not, you didn't pay, you're not paying me for the project files. You're paying me for the final piece. You know, that's always been how I looked at it. But now if they're going to ask for that, I'm just going to charge them for it. I'm like, okay, well, if you want these things and it's X amount and it's not just like double my rate, it's going to be like, I want points on the movie or something. Give me something out of here because you're going to replicate me <laughs> or you're going to try at least, you know? It's like a weird thing. It's 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 kind of like this industry feels like it's chomping at me, like a dog, and I'm on the fence, and the dogs are like <laughs> chomping at me, like ah, and I'm trying to get over. But then when I get over, there's like more dogs and more fences that are higher. <laughs> like ah, I don't know. Maybe I could be. It's it could be burnout that's happening, or I could be um, aligning with a lot of people who are listening to this, and they're feeling the same way. It's like a lot of the friends that I talk to that are in the same industry, they're just like burning out, you know. Yeah, they're just doing so much and they're just burning out. And a lot of it's just like, I don't know, it's just a weird trend that's happening. And you got to be honest with yourself and look at the the writing on the walls and be like, what's happening here? You know, like what is happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worry that it's beyond like a, a thing about like pricing differently. Mm. Um, like if you're using the analogy of like a printing press, like um, uh, replacing like paintings, like original paintings, like what is that? What does it do when there's a billion prints out in the world? What does that do to the value of paintings in the first place? Like, uh, and I worry about that with these like auto-generated videos. Is that they're if you put two billion videos out in the world, like what does that do to the value of of one video? Yeah, um, it's almost nothing at that point, you know. So yeah. currency is completely diluted by oversaturation, you know, which is yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. We talked a little bit about this too. Um, and I've mentioned this on my podcast. I had this amazing privilege to go out to Paris uh, like last year, I think. And I went to the the Louvre. I don't even know how to say it. And I can try, but they said it was the Louvre. I don't, but some people are like, no, it's called the Louvre. And uh, anyways, um, it was incredible. It was amazing. It was very much life-changing as an artist to go and see it. Have you been out there before? Have you seen it? I've never been there, no. Okay, you should. It's awesome. And it's revelation when I saw these amazing work and, you know, the Da Vinci's work. And then you see like um, Rembrandt's and all these classic Michelangelo's and just amazing works of art that I've studied in books, basically, that were just on pages of paper, or PNG images. But I'm sitting there and I start to look at this and I, and I look at it as a whole and I go, wow, like, okay, so what motivated this? Okay, well, the original big business was religion and it was like the Catholic or Christian church it would push all this art to kind of spread the word of their gospel inside the Bible, you know? 
because in the beginning it's all baby Jesus and, and like it's like a lot of just Christian based kind of stuff. And then eventually it starts to evolve as currency and money starts to come on and the patrons and like kings and queens and stuff became the clients. And then so I started looking at this and I started looking at it as a whole and I started thinking about these artists and I th- started thinking like, well, for the most part, some of these guys, because um, I was also studying Leonardo da Vinci, I was reading his book and I was finding it quite fascinating, but um, he had a lot of patrons through his life and a lot of them were either kings or like warlords or like um, people of the church and they would pay, they would pay him to for like his living basically to like for his room and board to do these amazing works of art that would pay tribute to whatever cause they're after and then i look at and then i take that mirror and i go right to myself and go well what the fuck am i doing (laughs) and i go how how much has it changed since then and it's changed so much and i started to think about how frivolous and, and 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 um lacking of just substance these the work that i mean i'm being completely honest you know with myself here i'm not making these masterpieces i'm trying to i'm trying i'm i feel like i'm probably burning up as much energy as these guys (laughs) at least i think so um but it's it's interesting because the clients are now as you mentioned those like big fives you know and like i agree there there are these big you know properties basically but it's all come down to consumption but the rapid rate of consumption is just crazy it's like just, it's bonkers, you know? And I'm just as guilty. I'm not trying to say that I'm anything different or special. I like to consume things. I'm not sure if I consume them nearly as fast or as rapid as everybody else. I mean, Netflix just like drops like 150 episodes a week or some stupid yeah. amount. I can't even, I'm not even to keep up with that stuff, you know? So, but what's your thoughts on that? Cause that was a revelation I had. And I was like, wow, like this is, com- this is bonkers, you know? It's completely different. It's a different system completely. And it's just weird, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely something there as far as uh, where the money's coming from because, yeah, I mean, even back when um, back when there was, uh, you know, the church was paying for the work or some rich rich patron, um, at least the work itself wasn't uh, being created specifically for like just for capital returns. Yeah, and I feel like when a corporation's, you know, if they're if they're hiring this work to be made for some reason, uh, that reason is capital. It's always capital. It's the only reason that companies really do things yeah. um, is to make money. So I think that that kind of you know, it perverts all the incentives as far as making good work and making uh, groundbreaking work. Because, I mean, what incentive is there to do that unless uh, it's going to return a bunch of money? And typically, I mean, as we've seen, like some of the most groundbreaking art is some of the 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 work that returns the least on the investment, you know? Yeah, that's actually a weird thing. There's this weird, you know, like movies, if we were to use, for example, like a 2001 Space Odyssey was a, pretty much a failure in the box office. It eventually grew its own cult following, which is, makes it relevant now today, and that's why it's studied still, because it did become something of a cult classic. Same with Blade Runner. Um, these kind of films that, um, you know, I mean, you could say the difference between Blade Runner and Alien, for example. Alien was a success um, for the most part, but it was because it was designed as a machine, you know, a very well-oiled machine to scare people and to get them back or to share it with their friends and go through that ride, a haunted house, uh, if you will. Um, but there is this really interesting thing that comes from that. But I, as an artist, I feel like some of the best work and the, the, the greatest work is motivated outside of um, the industry of being propelled by 
consumption, basically, you know, we are it's to a level of different types of consumption or the output of consumption, you know. Um, but it, that's for me, it's always a worry, right? Like, where is this all this going and why are we creating the things we do? Um, and is, is it just to be consumed or for Facebook likes or likes in general? What does that even mean? What's your thoughts on that kind of stuff, too? Like, because I know, like, we could talk a little bit about your Twitter um, suicide thing. I thought that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Twitter, Twitter suicide. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm burning a lot of bridges. Um, I love it. It's great. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's a big reason as, uh, as to why I left Buck and started working at Microsoft is because I kind of, um, you know, working at Buck, especially Buck is like, it's known as like this cool studio that's making really cool work. And, um, for me personally, you know, when you go to work, you're not, I mean, I'm not super, um, happy about going to work like you know if i'm being forced to do something immediately i don't want to do it so <laughs> yeah, you know yes especially with art like i i'm only really happy making art that i'm motivated to make for some reason other than somebody telling me to do it yeah um so for me it, it really it helps a lot to have like this very clear distinction between you know going to my job and getting paid to do something and then actually making art, which I think are like two completely separate things. Even though they use like a lot of the same skill set and a lot of the same software or whatever, uh, to me they're they're just completely different in like you know how they fulfill me, what I get out of them, the reason for doing it, um, the process, like just everything is so different about those two that um, the more I can separate them, the more fulfilling it is for me. Because yeah, I mean, I got into this stuff because I like making art. Um, your process not, of art is very different from most people, I think, too. If somebody that doesn't know who you are, how would you expl explain how you express yourself via the vessel of art? Uh, wow, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Um, you have a very uh, different, unique process, which I think is very unique, and it's you're very much of this age of created, like creative people. It's very different. It's not traditional. Like it's not like you pick up a pen and paper or brush or something. You know, it's a different way, right? Am I wrong? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I'm using like very cutting edge tools and complex systems and stuff like that. But I think, um, yeah, most of my work goes back to experimentation as far as my personal work goes yeah. and um, trying to approach some kind of uh, like emotional, emotional, like, you know, watercolor or something like some kind of mood painting rather than some distinct design intent, which, you know, I went to design school and you learn about how to design, you know, how to come up with a creative brief and how to, you know, figure out a design solution for this problem. Mm -hmm. And that process is completely different, almost opposite of the process for me of creating art, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so even more so like, yeah, you might use the same software, but it's almost like two completely different worlds for me. Yeah, which I think is really cool. And that's something that we should probably dive into. And I think a lot of it's just coming from a cliche, right? It drives me nuts. It's just like, oh, you're an artist. So you must like, you know, use paints and brushes. Like, no, like the medium has changed completely. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, although that is quote unquote, an artist or a painting, David and I were talking about this, David Rudnick and I, um, as I mentioned earlier, we went out and had this epic hike into the woods and we we're just talking about all kinds of madness in regards to art. One of the things he mentioned, he had this really cool story of when he was in studies, I think it was at Yale. He was saying that one of his teachers um, had shown him like a bunch of um, these photographs of, or like photos or images of um, these paintings or 
um, sculptures and stuff. And then the teacher kept asking, like, is this art? And then they would go, yeah, I guess. And is this art? And then they're like, oh, yes. And like, you know, some all the way to like modern weird art where it's like a toilet with like a dookie in it to like, like I don't know, like a Rembrandt. I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know all the details, but, and then David goes, you know what? Hold on. Actually, I take everything back. These, none of these are art. They're just PNG images. And then the teacher was like, wait, hold on. And so it was kind of this interesting epiphany is I agree with as well is like, you know, when you look at that thing, it's actually just a PNG or an image or JPEG or whatever. But when you're actually sitting and standing in front of the thing, like I was at the Louvre, then you see what it is actually for itself, if that makes sense. For sure. Yeah. And then it becomes the actual thing. It's, I mean, I, I get it. Not everybody's going to have the chance to go over there and see that. And I totally understand that. Um, but it's, it kind of got me thinking about really what is art and especially the thing, the art that we make, you know, the more and more I get into digital art and that stuff, I start to think like, well, what is this? You know, is it art? It's almost like calling Netflix TV. It's not really TV. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, I can look back on my past 10 years working, uh, in this industry and, uh, it can all fit on like one hard drive, you know, (laughs) that I can fit in my pocket. Um, that's kind of crazy to think that, you know, all I've really created is some data. Um, it's, it's kind of frustrating, uh, in a way because it's like, you know, all this work and all this stuff. And it's like, if aliens came right now, or they came after the earth was destroyed or whatever and found this hard drive, they probably wouldn't even be able to read what was on it. You know, it's not like a painting where you just you can just look at it and just exist as a physical form. Yeah. Like almost everything I've ever made requires some specific software, some version, some codec of something to play back on some specific thing. It's like, <laughs> it's just so esoteric, you know, yeah. you're just creating all this data, um, and yeah, it, 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 at times it kind of drives me nuts and it, it's what drives me to try to, as much as I can try to create things that are actually physically real. Um, I get just so much more fulfillment out of that stuff for some reason now. Sure. And it's probably a good blend of the, of the two, you know, I think that's really where the balance lies. I, I have a bunch of like, um, painting like um, paper and pencils and, and ink and stuff. Cause I like to draw and I, I originally came from being a, a hand, like an artist as with my hand and paper and stuff. And as the further I gotten away from it, the more I, I enjoy and appreciate it. But it's the one reason why I didn't like to draw on paper all the time is because it just took up a shit ton of space, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it is actually quite like, I look at like Jim Carrey. He's like a painter now. He's been a painter artist guy for a while, but he's has, he has like this huge studio where he just paints like, these big, like bizarre, colorful things. I don't Have you seen what he's been up to lately? I've seen some of his stuff. Yeah. I saw like some YouTube video where he was going nuts about his paintings. Yeah. yeah it's pretty cool. It's kind of rad to see him like kind of evolve as a human. It's, he's a, he's definitely a unique guy, but, and I look at his studio, I'm like, you know, you, you can't be a normal person with that, that kind of lifestyle. Like <laughs> it's a lot of, you'd have to have like, you know, multiple storage units and stuff, you know, in order to achieve that kind of space. And there is something, there's a trade-off between the both of them, but I, I share that same um, issue with you. There's something interesting though, is like when your art goes on the internet, it somewhat becomes immortal in a way, uh, in the, the, the ones and zeros, you know, which I think is kind of funny and interesting, but you're right. I mean, if it all shuts down, when you shut off the lights, you know, what do you got? You know, what is it there? And is that, is that the point? You know what I mean? Like, is that the point? Is the point to be able to, so that when aliens come, you can represent, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the point is. It's yeah. It's to me, it's Most just about. Don't. Yeah, looking back on what you've done with your time. Yeah. And to me, if if I can't say like, oh, I use my time valuably, and I can't actually see why, uh, to me, it's just kind of like irritating. I don't know. <laughs> same, same. It's very irritating. Yeah. I think I think uh, you and I and we all share this as digital artists. It's like kind of like it is very irritating, you know. But at the same time, I think that's a great way to look at it. It's like how you use your your time and where your time went. And, um, you know, just kind of equating what that time, um, you know, meant, you know, and the time that you've used and what you've used it on, you know, because I think it's also a revelation as we get a little older, we're discovering like, Hey, like there's only so much time, you know, <laughs> we start to really understand the, the, the preciousness of time. I think that's really what it is too. It's also you're a parent now too, and that changes your perspective significantly too. Oh yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine, like I used to come home from work, I get home at like 8 PM and then I would stay up till like four in the morning, uh, <laughs> just, you know, jamming out on stuff and then go back to work the next morning. And like, like it was nothing. I love doing that. Yeah. And now if I had that kind of energy, which I never do, I would so much <laughs> rather just like hang out with my kids. Yeah. Um, it'll come back to like when they're in the teenage mode, cause my daughter is just about to be a teenager and that energy comes back. It goes away for a while, though, because it's just, yeah, they're, they're all encompassing. They don't care. They want all of you 100%. Don't give a shit if you're tired. <laughs> yeah. But you can eventually get it back, though. So. Yeah. And also, they're like the only things I've ever made that I can actually like hang out with and talk to, and <laughs> they don't exist on a hard drive. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. So when the aliens come, they can just observe your kids, you know, or your kids' kids. There you go. So yeah. that's a good way of looking at it too. But there's a there's something really beautiful though about these simulations, and like I know your tool of of, of you know like you love using Houdini, which is just like a Pandora's box. I still haven't approached it that much because I'm just super worried about like how far I'm going to fall into that rabbit hole. <laughs> and I'm just, I think it's, I would really have to dedicate some serious time to it. But um, Houdini is so unique and special from the interactions I've had with it. But it is, it's like, it's like these weird simulations that are mimicking reality, but they're not They're but they're so close, but they're not. It's really weird. It's like you're bending an altered reality inside a machine, which is just fascinating. But at the same time, it, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean Houdini is really like uh, I think Houdini is dangerous to learn because it it is something that you could just I mean it is endless but um, at the same time I you really get to the point at least I have now after using it for like um, you know many years now that it's just I, I'm, I can almost make absolutely anything that I can imagine and now it's just a matter of of time and effort yeah. and knowing, knowing that is, is even more devastating because when you can just say like, Oh, I don't even know how to do that. That's impossible. Yeah. But now it's like, anything's possible. It's just about putting in the work. Now it's like, Oh God, now I, now I'm just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's an interesting conundrum. Cause I was, I was starting to think that too, the more I learn, I'm like, well, I could technically make anything as I'm getting better, you know, and it's, and, and that is for me, it's like a revelation of like, finally, I can't use that excuse if I don't know how to do that. And I, and, yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, then it just comes down to time and then how much sleep you want to lose basically, because if you decide to do that, then it's like, you have to do your day job. Then you have to be father and husband time. And then, and then if you have extra time, then that's when you do those things, you know? So, um, but we could talk a little bit about like your segue into the physical world and your kind of love of this new thing. I don't know if you want to talk about it or if you can, but it would be really fascinating because I think um, it's an interesting venture that you're heading in towards. So 
Yeah. And I, are you still obsessed by it? Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, should probably fill people in. Cause yeah, I don't really talk about it very much. Um, yeah. partly because I, I, I almost want to keep it from, from the internet. Like I almost want to keep people <laughs> from, uh, poisoning this, like they've poisoned everything else that I love. Um, <laughs> fucking people. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've been really, you don't have to talk uh, about it then, if you don't want no, to. it's, it's totally cool. I mean, I've been really into, um, into metal work lately and, and, um, specifically, uh, machine tools, um, which is like a really nerdy, a really nerdy form of uh, shop work that, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's like really technical cutting of metal. What got uh, you into late. this? What was the catalyst? That's such a good question. Uh, you know what I really think it was that got me really deep into it was getting this 3d printer. Hmm. Um, which one did you get? I got the, it's like the mono price MP mini. It's like the cheapest 3d printer. Mm. Um, I think I paid like 150 bucks for it. Um, but yeah, getting the 3d printer was such a, is such a segue into, um, into learning about CNC machines because the 3d printers and CNC machines use the same, the same language. You program them in this thing called G code, which is like a very simple, it just basically tells the tool like where to go X, Y, Z, um, to turn on the spindle or to extrude plastic or whatever the, the machine does. But like, yeah, so getting into the, getting into the 3d printers really got me into CNC machines and then getting into CNC machines got me really into machining and getting into machining got me really into metalwork. And now I'm just like, I just so want to know it. every, yeah, it's just, I'm super deep into it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just fall into it and then it just envelops all envelops everything. Yeah. It's, it's a, um, it's a really interesting, um, I'm really, I'm excited for, to see what you're going to do with this because I think because you have a, a really solid mastery, uh, of this altered space inside of the ones and zeros world, I don't even know what to call that. See, what do you call that? CG world, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> call the altered world for now. Not this, that yeah. stupid Stranger Things show, the one <laughs> world or whatever stupid show. Damn it! Everybody hates me for not liking it. The show sucks. Sorry, everybody. I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. Everybody's screaming at me right now on the podcast. I don't know. Go watch ET, guys. Go watch the real stuff, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man, I guess. <laughs> but anyways, um, got my rant. But um, no, like there's, um, it's really cool because I think that you're able to bend the ones and zeros so interestingly. It's going to be interesting to see where you're going to be able to take like your imagination from that world. Because if you can bridge the stuff that you're able to make in Houdini, if you could bridge that into the physical world, I know that you're probably not thinking about that. Maybe you are necessarily as like a, a an expression, but but that's really going to be unique and interesting because then you're really going to be able to make stuff that's just like just super bonkers in the physical world, you know? So yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's really what I'm trying to do right now is trying to figure out Pipeline. kind of my my unique angle as far as like how I'm gonna how I'm going to approach this given my, like, you know, my unique skill set and my, the way that I look at things. Um, there is an, there's an artist that I've been following. His name's Chris Bathgate. I think he's, I think he's based out of Maryland, but he's a uh, machinist, uh, sculptor and he makes these super elaborate, um, sculptures out of metal that are all machines. So they're like very precise. Um, and his style is probably not exactly what I would make, but he's kind of been inspirational to me is just showing that, you can approach this like very uh, scientific, very uh, engineering task 
um, with like an artistic eye mm. and um, use all these skills and these machines to make things that are um, for no other purpose really than to just be beautiful objects. Yeah. Um, and I'm still not sure if that's really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just another thing that's kind of opened my eyes to, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to be making like axles for a car or a tractor or something. You can, you can be creative with this stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a little bit in, we talked a little about fusion 360, which is poly- plyometric. Is it called plyometric? Is that called uh, parametric parametric yeah. Yeah, parametric modeling, which is CAD based modeling, um, which is in that same X, Y, Z like, um, language that you were talking about earlier, I think. Right. Is it not? Oh yeah, like Fusion can export all those yeah, all that G code. So yeah. like yeah, you can use Fusion to actually program these machines. Gangster code. That's what it's just yeah. <laughs> gangster code. Um yeah, but it's um it's really cool. And I think, man, I'm wondering how you could take like imagine taking like volumetric VDB like simulations in Houdini and then somehow fe- figuring out a way to bridge them into um that G t- G code and then print it or just doing weird stuff, you know. There's this really interesting thing that I saw Autodesk doing. I think it was called Anomaly, or there was this crazy program that they've been developing. Autodesk. Autodesk. Um, I think it's called. Um, what's that name? It's like it starts with an A, I think. Um, but it's this crazy um, setup in the programs that they're doing. That's like they're able to like procedurally they go like, Hey, well, I need a chair. And then you, you tell the computer like, okay, I need a chair. It needs to handle this much weight. It needs to have four legs. Um, and it needs to have back in a seating spot. And then you, you give it those parameters and then it goes like bonkers on it. And then it makes you an infinite amount of different design styles of chairs and you can print them. And it's really crazy. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've actually experimented with some of that stuff. Um, What's it called? What's that program called? Uh, I forget what it's called to be honest with you, but yeah, Alchemy. Autodesk. Alchemy. Yeah. Autodesk makes a, uh, I think they have like two or three different ones actually. Yeah. Alchemy. That's what it's called. Yeah. It looks bonkers. It looks really cool. I, it's just for me, it's just like, wow, this is so cool. What a, is it not Alchemy? I don't know. Shit. I don't know what it's called people make comments on it i'm sure so if you hear this and you see it in the chat just put it in there for everybody sorry guys i have such a bad memory but um yeah it's so cool that what i saw from that and that is that something that you were thinking about like procedural based kind of like formations and stuff or is it because it's one thing to make like pretty looking art and then it's also like really cool if you can t- make the art physically like usable as well which is always interesting as well you know so yeah i don't know it's yeah, I mean that's a that's the thing is like I don't even know if I want to make I don't even know if I want this to have anything to do with art necessarily. Like if somebody yeah. was like, "Hey, I want you to build a car for me from scratch." I think that would be really fun. Even if you know it wasn't an art project, you know, yeah. to actually en- engineer it and actually build it. Why don't you do um, it, please, for me? Uh, yeah, I'll somebody do it. Somebody somebody pay for it. I'll do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fun. Hey, pay us, we'll make it. You make you a car. There you go. So yeah, they, <laughs> I mean, cause that's actually, which kind of funny as well is like when you get into this space too, you start to find like these outliers when you go out into this space and you meet these people and you're like, Oh, what do you do? And they're like, Oh, I make like a car. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, here I am making like PNG sequences and shit like until up until four o'clock in the, in the morning, they're out there making something. I guess the grass is always greener. Right. But it's always, yeah. it's always fascinating when you meet somebody that's actually doing stuff like that because that's all it is really the difference between us and them is they're going, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do and, uh, that's it. So 
here we go. <laughs> you know, they make the leap and then that's where they go. I have a couple of things here on my list of things I want to make sure I talk with you about. One of them is uh, authenticity. We talk a little bit about that. And I think that you have some really interesting perspectives on authenticity. What makes an artist authentic? And um, is there such thing as authenticity nowadays? And who is an artist out there that you feel is very authentic? Oof. That's Boom. a hard one. <laughs> Loaded, baby. Authenticity, what is it and who's doing it? Okay, well, I'll start off by saying I'm not authentic. I'm a fraud. Okay. Um, right off the bat. Um, but yeah, I don't... I, I, what is authenticity think, to you, though? Yeah, like, what I is think, it? To me, it really just speaks to your motivation. Mm. Um, like, what is driving you to do what you do? Uh, to me, that's that's just authentic. Um, if you're... I mean, I think we can all see when somebody puts out a piece and you can tell that it's motivated, you know, either by their just love of whatever medium they're working with or, you know, their pure passion to just express themselves or whatever. But I really think that authenticity really comes through when it's not being motivated by trying to get likes or trying to impress potential clients or, um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that I think we can all kind of tell when something's authentic. It's something you can feel um, or so then describe. But yeah, I think most of it really comes back to your motivation for why you're doing what you're doing. Um, it, it's hard for me to say like an artist out there that's truly authentic because I think to really know if somebody's being authentic, you would have to be inside their head. Mm. Um, to otherwise, really honestly know their intentions, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just kind of assuming or yeah, you're just interpreting, uh, their intention. Um, I mean, I can tell you that there's definitely artists out there that I think, uh, push the limit and they're not really going for, uh, maybe commercial wide appeal. Mm. Uh, and to me that kind of comes across as authentic, but even as I get older, I don't even know if that's authentic. Like, um, that movie killing of a sacred deer. Did you, yeah. did you watch that? <laughs> like yeah, that's but... a perfect example to me of something that I like, I can't tell if that's authentic or if that's just total bullshit. Like I cannot, <laughs> um, I can't tell anymore. And, and to me, that's like, that to me didn't come across as authentic. It was like a, it was a movie trying to be authentic. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I felt similar things, but there was parts of it that I enjoyed cause they're just really different. You know, I think it was tapping into unclaimed territory in my mind in, in regards to what I experienced with films. And so that, yeah. that, that was authentic about it. But then, yeah, there's a moment where you're, you're thinking you're sitting there as a creative person as well. And you're going, Hmm, okay, what's going on here? And why did this person do that? You know, <laughs> and yeah, they could have done and, something else, but they did this. Is this a shock factor thing or what is it that their intentions are? You know? Yeah. yeah and, and again, that's just my opinion of that movie. Sure. I just, <laughs> well, you know, don't get butthurt if you're listening to this, you like that movie. If you yeah. get butthurt when somebody says something about an opinion, you're just a weak soul. I mean, come on, get over yeah. it. Like, well, <laughs> I spend, I spend a lot of time online arguing with people about this shit. <laughs> Every well, time I get an opinion. Well, uh, okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's a matter of having an opinion though. If you have an opinion, you better be willing to deal with others uh, and their no, opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, in the internet, man, especially Twitter is the worst for opinion fighting, I think. Oh, yeah. It's and poison. It's, it's pure super poison. poison. <laughs> I, only po I only post like I try to just keep it super positive on Twitter. And if somebody's an asshole, I just block them instantly. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah peace. You know, I get, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I'm like North Korea with my Twitter. 
like if you act out at all boom you're done <laughs> yeah like i'll post a joke on there and somebody will be like dude i'm gonna come there and fucking beat your ass i'm just like oh really? my god yeah um uh, i get that stuff constantly and it's just well, you're, you're you're making ways right now what was this post that you did <sighs> what happened here give us some details i don't even remember what that one was i think it was it was a post of that meme of like i will work for free and it's that guy with a gun that said he would work for free for all the schools oh and i just like changed the text i changed the text to like be about motion graphics and people flipped out they're like you really think this is appropriate right now it's like dude (laughs) it's a joke about another joke like it's not even i don't know i just feel like people people have lost all sense of humor <laughs> well yeah there's i think i think it's i think people i don't know if they necessarily have lost it but i think it's the the internet and the way that we consume things on the internet it, we think it's the human experience but it's only like 10 percent of it really you know there's, there's for sure it's it's not really a real authentic experience it's, it's just a very and that's how i treat it i don't treat it as a real thing it's like this weird hyper reality kind of that's non-existent to the real human experience you know so and jokes always fall flat almost always you know even i mean even think about if you're sitting there watching comedian and they're there in front of you as a physical human being and some of their jokes fall flat like dude on twitter they're gonna fall super flat you know because of how just the dynamics of that works you know or like facebook or any of these things too because i can see how people would get pissed you know and like you know, they get up in arms about that because it is recent and current and I could see how you're pushing the buttons, you know, I get it. When I see it, I go, Oh, you know what he's doing, you know, like, but it's because I know you, you know, enough to know that you're not being malicious or an asshole about it. You're just trying to make like a, you're, you're just being racy about making a a point, you know, which I think is interesting and it gets, it's supposed to get people stimulated. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that part of it too, it goes back to like, again, why are we sharing this stuff? Um, Mm -hmm. for me, I would, I would love if Twitter was just like, like my friends following me, like Mm -hmm. if, if it, if I could control it and keep it to where it was only people that I, that I knew understood where I was coming from that were following me, that would be great. Yeah. But now actually weed them out though. So yeah, you've gotten all the, I've gotten all these randos where it's like well who do i post for do i just post for the general common denominator of everybody that you know post something that everybody will understand and nobody will take the wrong way or do i post something that's like my opinion that it might rely on you know being extremely online and knowing about all these weird twitter memes and shit but (laughs) for the people that get it they'll really get it and they'll laugh and for everybody else fuck them who cares you know that's kind of the point i've gone to (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so difficult, right? You know, it's like you you don't want to be I don't know, it's it's so hard to like you can't please everybody. That's the that's the that's the for sure fact, right? You can't. There's no way you can. There's always going to be somebody pissed about something, you know? Like you could go out and do the most amazing thing and somebody's going to be like, "You suck," you know? <laughs> because they're an asshole or they're just completely lost or they're having a bad day or whatever it might be. And it's so hard to navigate those things. And and I think what you've been doing recently, which I think is really funny, like you're just kind of like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to make fun of everybody, myself included. And yeah, and make light of the situation because I think people are just taking things too seriously. Um, evidently, you know, like and it's just like calm down, people take a chill pill, relax a little bit here. Um, remember, it's, a, it's it's good to laugh and make a joke of ourselves um, every once in a while. It's good. <laughs> because yeah. it is you know like i remember one of the posts you're you're talking like 
uh, it was like about like books. You're sharing books about be how how to be the hype. Like what was it? Like <laughs> it was like how to be oh, super like successful. Secret, yeah, the secret of your success lies in one of these books, and it was like three self help books, and then it was <laughs> Karl Marx, Das Kapital, and it was like. To me, that was such an obvious joke, but yeah. I mean, everybody was like, dude, I don't understand which book, what are you talking about? What, wait, <laughs> what? You're peddling these books now? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> and that's the beauty of the joke too, though. And, and even when I said, when I read that, when I saw it for the first time, I'm like, oh man, is he clowning on me for sharing motivational books? Cause I've been clowned <laughs> on many times for like, oh, as your hokey, dude, this book is whack. Oh, and I'm like, dude, it's not for you then. You know, there's, there's people out there like myself who didn't get that kind of guidance growing up and we need a book to help us with those freaking decisions in life, you know? And some of them are freaking total jokesters and they're like, you know, clickbait basically in the book form. But, but then I, then I went and I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. It's a total joke. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. that, that post specifically, it, it really speaks to my frustrations about like the level of discourse around the industry of like, yeah, yeah. you know, what is the, you know, the people that are out there putting themselves out there saying that they know what's going on, that they have all the advice, they have the solutions. Yeah. That's the best shit that they can come up with is like, Hey, work hard, uh, treat people with respect. Um, um, work <laughs> Which is extra true. hard. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff's true. That's but, the voice I mean, they use too, by the way. Yeah, I would love. <laughs> what was uh, that voice again? <laughs> I would yeah, love to hear. <laughs> I would love to hear those people uh, elevate the discourse a little bit higher to maybe like, um, well, why are we, you know, doing this kind of work? Why are we sacrificing our creativity to make tons of money for these companies where we get very little in return? Yeah. Um, why are we so low paid when the work that we do is clearly like the only thing that makes any of these companies have any kind of brand? value mm-hmm. um it's it, there's so many questions that we could actually be discussing and i, I don't think i'm necessarily the best person to be talking no, about this stuff. None, none of us are none of us but, are as qualified for it but we all have an idea yeah. yeah but at the same time i don't feel like i'm out there telling everybody like hey listen up this is what's <laughs> this is what the real deal is you know like <laughs> it's so, the- <laughs> It's like the zombie apocalypse is outside. We're all in the cafeteria at the abandoned school and they're all trying to break in through the doors and everybody's like, well, listen to me. I know the solution. Work hard and be positive. (laughs) And then the other guys in the corner like, grab the guns and let's go to the roof and start shooting heads. And like, you know, everybody's, I think it's, it's what it is, is what we're seeing is we're seeing a sign of a sinking boat and we're seeing the, the, we're seeing the signs of an industry that's dying, really, you know. Um, it's an industry that I'm a part of. It's an industry that I love. It's also an industry I hate, you know. It's it's dying in a way that it's not dead. It's just that it's changing. It's tr- it's transforming and morphing, you know. As consumption's changing, it's getting more rapid. As these companies get bigger, as um, the human touch of things disappears more and more, we're losing the art, basically. When a company is basically, you know, it's weird because it... Um, it's tribalism at its core, really, in my mind. But a company is humans, really, you know. And at the core, most of those humans are pretty good people for the most part. You know, they have their own core values. And for the most part, I think they're, you know, most people are good. If they weren't, then the world would not be the way it is now. We we have those outliers as people go out and be really violent and hurt people, innocent people, which they fucking suck and they should not be here anymore. <laughs> but they're, for the most part, I think people, when you go to the grocery store, you say hi to a stranger, then most of the time they're going to say hi. And that's, that's the average person that you're interacting with. So I think for the most part, I think people end that work in these big companies and industries, like Albert works for Microsoft selling soul every day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just totally, totally fucking with you. But um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's the industry when you hide behind that, when you hide behind the, the facade of a company and, and the brand of that and all that stuff, I think that's when you really lose connection with what really matters, you know? And, and, and I think that's why people really cling to like, you know, when they cling to Steve Jobs because he was a person behind a company or they cling to Elon Musk because he's a human behind a big company, you know? Um, there's not a lot of that, you know, I think as, 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 as much as it's needed, you know, there's a lot of weirdness going on basically, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I think you're right. You don't have the answers, neither do I, but I think it's, this is actually, I think it was probably one of the better forums to do this kind of stuff with because it's not, I mean, I think the, the, the ultimate best one would be like a massive town hall and get everybody together and then we could talk about it, but that's not going to happen. I mean, that would be really great for the community if we could all get together and be like, yo, what's the problems here? What's all the issues? Okay. How can we fix this as a, like a, gr- a unified group of like artisans? I think the biggest problem now is there's no, there's no communication really. There's no connection and that people are like just willing to backstab or like go, you know, undersell everybody and like just destroy because they're desperate to be creative quote unquote. But it's not really that, you know, it's like if we could all unify and go like, okay, well, this is, this is what we feel it should be unified. You know, like we should make sure that everybody is making at least this much. And if you're at this level, you should be making this much. And then this is what we should be working on. And if this, this role happens, if a client asks for this, and this is what should probably happen for you. And, and all these kind of like, you know, things that maybe would help, you know, do you think that would help? I don't know. I could be completely asinine on that one too. I don't know. No, I think that's, that's exactly like the basis of like what a union is, I think is, yeah, is unions are not, I don't think they work very well personally. I don't know. I don't, th- I mean, I'm right there with you. I don't know if a union is the perfect solution, but s- that's the only structure that people have ever really come up with. Um, yeah to oppose the forces of capital collectively. So I don't really know what else you can do Uh, besides that. um, uh, The unions that, you know, that run like all the film shoots in LA, it's like that system seems like kind of terrible to me that like, it is, it creates a lot of complacency and a lot of just people that kind of just turn Mm -hmm. up and they take a check basically. And they take a lot of money for, for them. What I've experienced, not all there's, I know there's gotta be a ton of really great people out there, but I've experienced, some really shitty people that are just taking a paycheck and it's like, what are you doing? You know, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the, hard. That's really hard to manage, you know? So, yeah. I but know. I just, I think about like, well, what would happen to that industry if there were no unions in oh, any of those film shoots? Kind of, I mean, it would be, it would be terrible. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, what the solution is, but I mean, if we can't even figure out what industry we're in, like, how are we going to, band together and uh and all get on the same page with this stuff to me it's like uh, i know it sounds defeatist but to me it's like such a hard problem that i just uh, to me i just something i just like i'd rather just like walk away from it like <laughs> just, i don't blame you i mean yeah it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's 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 like politics basically you know it's like a massive problem there's no solution for it there never really will be you got to be understanding of the fact that like every day you spend on it you're going like two days two steps back maybe one step forward yeah it's like quicksand you know but you're every day you just have enough to get one breath but you just keep it going but um i think it's more or less do you love it like i think what you're saying is you love making art you don't love like having to deal with this part of it which i agree and that's probably another reason why it hasn't gone to a place where it needs to go right not enough people love the industry to save it from, you know, 
destruction basically i mean i i'm i'm usually the one in the company that's like talking about all this stuff and everybody Mm. else is looking at me like i'm crazy they're (laughs) like hey i want to draw pictures all day i want to play around on the computer uh i want to draw these characters and i'm like hey you're getting fucked you're getting paid dog shit it's (laughs) waiting to less than minimum wage when you factor in how many hours you're working overtime like you need to speak up you need to demand more money uh and and people just look at me like i'm crazy so Mm. I'm I'm usually the one that's fighting for this stuff, to be honest. And um, you you run up against this like very infantilized industry, and the studios want to keep the employees like that. Of course, they, they want do. to yeah, they want to keep the employees not worrying about that kind of stuff and just focusing on being creatives. Some sugar, um, you have some, yeah, yeah, have some sugar. I mean, some somebody told me at Disney they don't give negative critiques. Have you ever heard that? What? Yeah, somebody was telling me that, that like at that Disney. They'll never tell way. you <laughs> they'll never tell you anything you're doing is bad. They'll just like look at your work and be like, "Oh, that's so amazing. That's great." And then they'll like never give you anything serious to work on and then like gradually manage you out. What the um, fuck? So how so are you supposed kind of to the, get good? Exactly. It's just like that's this bullshit. infantile thing of like um just treating people like babies kind of and not being honest with them and not telling them what the real score is. <laughs> And, uh, that's that's something that, yeah, it's something that I've kind of run up against in, in a lot of these studio cultures is that like, Hey, don't bug the artists with business stuff. Like they don't want to know about the money coming in and where the money's going and all that stuff. Just let them focus on the creative work. Yeah. Um, For the most part, most creatives want to be like that because it just takes so much out of the capacity. But yeah, it's true though. Because if you do that, you just have blinders up. You might as well be an infant, you know? It, it affects the people around you. If you're like the most creative person in the world, you have more talent than anybody, but you don't give a shit about money and you're willing to work for free. Well, you just destroyed the entire market for everybody else because yeah. um, it, it, that's the thing is like, it might be okay for you. You don't care about working for that, that rate or whatever, but you, at least for me, I think you have to factor in your peers and your coworkers and mm-hmm. You have to demand more money. You have to demand better conditions so that the water level for everybody goes up. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this is something we talked about on our call, too. And he's a friend of ours, too. So it's not like we're saying talking shit at all. But Beeple and like the Beeple Nation, you know, like and all the the, the clones that he has now and like what what's happened with um, the industry. And it's not like what he's doing. I think is he's not a malicious guy at all. You know, no. like, he's just creating because he's a he's a creative beast and he loves just making things every day. He also, you know, has his own obligations in his own life and stuff too. But what's your thoughts on that? The oversaturation, the everyday is all that stuff, the rep, uh, the replication of everybody kind of, not everybody, but just a ton of people that are following into that, which is cool. Um, I think is cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what the fuck? If you want to go be creative, don't listen to me. Like, go have fun. Go be creative. If you're doing it for yourself and just having fun, do it, you know? But yeah. yeah, I don't know. But like, like I would love to see somebody do an everyday and do like comic art or something like just something weird, you know, or like everyday, like, I don't know, something different, you know, other than just like a octane render with spheres and stuff, you know, I don't know. I'm talking, I'm being an asshole. I don't mean to offend anybody, but what's your thoughts on that? What's your thoughts on the Beeple Nation stuff? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think Beeple is the, the, he's the OG of the everydays and, um, I don't think that he ever intended um, every single person on earth to start doing every days, no. not only that, but to directly rip off pretty much his style. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like he's the seed and I don't even necessarily blame the people doing every days. Cause like you said, they just want to be creative. They want to yeah. share stuff on awesome. social media. They want to post. That's great. Um, 
but I can't help but look at things from this overhead view and say like, okay, well, you guys, you're posting all this stuff for free. Um, you're accelerating the decline in value of visual art, uh, period. So, um, what should they do then? What should they do? I mean, cause let's great, look, let's look yeah. at some, like, let's look at a position. Somebody is like, let's say from they're from a different country where it's like, it's, it's so abstract to think that they could be creative for a living and they want to because they are creative people and they're awesome because they want to have that, you know? And so they go out and they start doing these things. They're, I don't think they're thinking that or they're wanting to, you know, to, to, dilute the the pond of value you know but at no the same i don't time, think so either yeah, yeah i don't think they I, I really don't think the intention's bad i don't it's just that that is really what's happening though from it it's just that people are seeing this and they're going like oh okay well this just takes you a day to do okay well i'll hire you for a day and then you do this whole thing you know and it's like well hold on you know <laughs> it's different you know it's like the the I think it's like the line that I always remember from Picasso where he did this like quick napkin sketch of this woman at a party and he did it like in 15 seconds and she was like, wow, this looks just like you. It's amazing. It only took you 15 seconds to do it. And he's like, and he's like, he's all bitch. It take me 15 seconds. It took me a whole lifetime. You know, <laughs> I don't think he said that, but it was, I'm just making a joke. But I mean, that that's the, that's really what, you know, you think about it. It's like for the most part, art is, when you're a true artist all the way through and through and you've been working at it since you've been a kid, it's not that it, that thing took you 15 seconds. It actually took your, your lifetime to be able to make that for that, you know, that time that you've made it, you know, that's the way I look at it. And that's the value. That's where the value is. And you have to understand that value and you have to figure out and be proud and you have to figure out a way to say, Hey, this is my value, you know? And if you don't like, I've, I've turned down so many jobs, especially I think more and more, the further along I go in my industry and the, my, my job and my career is I'm, I say no, or I've passed on jobs more than ever. It's weird. And I think it's more or less, I know what I want out of the situation. And I'm like, I'm not willing to compromise to have a horrible situation happen to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always tell my clients I, I do jobs for two main reasons or maybe three, I guess, but cause you got to pick between these things. But I was like, I go, I either do it because I'm either passionate or emotionally connected to it. Or that I feel like I can produce what I need at the end of this. That's going to make us both, you know, happy about it. You know, it's very rarely do I care about the money part. I mean, money is important, sure, but it's like the last on the concern and my main mind of creating something that I feel like it's important. But it counters what you're saying about the money. I'm very much involved with the money part of it because I run my own business with my wife. But it's like. And if the, the if it doesn't pay, I'm not doing it, obviously, you know, so there's all, yeah. like, there's all kinds of things. So, but I don't know what do we do. What, what's the solution here though? That's what I'm getting at. It's like, what is it? Is there a solution? There isn't. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, I'll, I'll tell you my experience with this is, and it's for, through trying to hire people to work at a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first thing people do a lot of the times nowadays is they'll be like, well, let's look at on Instagram. Let's find all the top Instagram accounts. Let's get one of these kids to come work in the studio. Um, and you know, you can interview these kids that have 150,000 Instagram followers, but they have absolutely no clue like how to produce client work. They don't know how to deal with clients. They don't know how to do pre-production. They don't know how to work on a team. They don't know how to split up work. They, They just don't understand like how to make spots. They literally only know software. And, um, that's kind of a phenomenon that I think is, is separate from the devaluing of, of visual art is that like this confusion about what 
like what is a skilled artist? Is it just about having a portfolio of like a bunch of output? Because um, in my experience, like those people, people with amazing portfolios typically don't just get hired at a studio without somebody recommending them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's usually word of mouth and it's about like, oh, I've worked with this guy. He he knows what he's doing. He's a generalist. You know, he could kill it on anything. Like yeah. it's all, word, it's all of mouth. word of mouth for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I worry that these kids, they're putting all this effort into this. They want to share their work. You know, they're not trying to devalue the art, but it's a byproduct. And I just worry that it's, it's not having quite the intended effect that maybe they want it to have. I mean, they might get noticed, but I think it's just kind of confusing the entire uh, marketplace of like skilled labor in this industry because you can't really compare somebody that can bust out every days to somebody that's like, you know, a veteran of this industry that can, you know, be a creative director leading a team to create like a really complex spot with a lot of elements like that's team management and that's a whole different dynamic. Yeah. There's a lot of people I think they're technicians. I think you'd call them technicians where they understand how to push the buttons you know, but it's always like, I always ask like, well, why are you pushing those buttons? Why are you making those things do what they're doing? And then understanding the intention. I think that's really where the art shines. And there's a void of that. I feel like now more than ever too. It's just like, oh, I know how to make a shiny thing. It's like, great. That's really cool. Now, why, why are you making that shiny <laughs> thing? You know? And like, we're all guilty of it. So was I, I there's a phase in my life where I was making shiny things as well. I totally understand. I'm, I'm making fun of myself as well here. But at the same time, if you're listening to this and this is, if this is pissing you off, then it means it's true. You know, you should think <laughs> about it, you know, and just as much as anybody would hate on anything that I do. So like, if I go off and make something, they go, oh, that's whack or that thing. And then if it pisses me off, I go, hmm, there's truth to it. They're, they're onto something here. You know, they're seeing through and they're finding a weakness inside of me, you know, but at the yeah. same time, like take that as a challenge and go like, well, I'm going to go and like take this and, and make something great out of it. And and we don't have the answers here, you know, like we are just as fa- faulted and flawed as well. But I think the thing is we need to pose this conversation because I think this conversation needs to be had multiple times and there needs to be multiple different perspectives on this so that it can advance the situation. Cause yeah, I think it's, 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 um, there's a lot of weird things happening. I don't know. And I hate, I hate wasting energy and time and mental process, even thinking about this stuff, to be completely honest, because <laughs> yeah. I would rather just fucking work and grind out work and make work that I love, you know, and that's where my perspective is like, I, but I also have a good um, rhythm of how I understand how to make money and all that kind of stuff, you know, and navigating those things and directing and all those different things, the skill sets that I've taken along the way, but yeah, it's one thing I've, it's interesting that you found that trend too, because I've encountered that as well. And the only people that I ever work with are, are trusts when I work is they're either friends or trusted sources. And I don't even like if they're flawed or if they have faults to their game, like as long as it's not huge, like I would rather have somebody like that than somebody that is just a button pusher usually, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's really dynamic though. It's so dynamic. Yeah. It's a freaking crazy world out there. <laughs> It's crazy. It's a crazy world for creatives out there more than ever. I think it's really crazy. Yeah. Um, where do you see this industry in five to 10 years? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, non-existent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. You jerk. That's great. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I, I really feel like, um, we're going to see more and more of these studios, the ones that can survive, um, become more and more like tech companies Mm. um just in in the fact that what they're outputting is is becoming increasingly more just like you know assets to go inside of tech products Mm. um and 
if that's where all the money's coming from and, and if these tech companies are making their own teams to do this exact same stuff, I just, I don't know that these smaller studios are really going to be able to compete with tech companies as far as salaries and benefits. Yeah. Um, so that's the part where I just, I don't see what's beyond that horizon as far as like, you know, if, if, if studios can't get any talent because the tech companies have, have gobbled up everybody, um, and they're paying them way more. I mean, I don't understand how these studios are going to stay in business to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that, that was one of my biggest, you know, motivations for, for leaving a studio and trying to get a job in tech is that I just, uh, I see that the ship is kind of sinking and I, I just wanted to be on a bigger boat. <laughs> yeah. That's so difficult too, because it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's just heartbreaking, right? <laughs> it really yeah. is. You think it about it. It breaks my heart. Yeah, because yeah. it is. I mean, at the at the core of it, we we I know you and how you like to work. You like to be creative, you know, and you enjoy that that serendipitous moment, you know. When when we were all jamming, making uh, the FITC thing, it was fun, you know. Like there's there's a moment when you're being creative amongst a group of peers and friends, and you're having fun, and you and it's like an enjoyable process. It's like those are very special and and. and and pure moments, you know, it, it would always fucking piss me off so much. And people would rip that thing off though. It was like, <laughs> it was like they were like touching my kid's butt or something. I'm like, stop it. Don't touch my kid's butt, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It, it got ripped off so many times too, man. It's worse. It's still going too. It's still going strong. <laughs> I'll yeah, be I mean, sitting down watching TV <laughs> with the family and like a T-Mobile ad will come up and like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And my, both my wife and daughter will look at me and go like, really? I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we invented that it's just it's just come on get a little bit different a little bit please you know so <laughs> but that yeah but that's like part of it is like if these companies are if, if people are totally fine like directly copying another video like how long before one of these ai neural nets can just copy a video or can just generate yeah. one completely by themselves like it's, it's that, very close very yeah close. that's that's kind of the the point that i'm worried about is where like people are not just devalued but they they have no value. And yep. um, yeah, Facebook needs to generate 2 billion videos. Are they going to go to the AI to do that? Or are they going to go to, you know, some studio and hire them to do it? It just, it makes no sense. So bottom line. Yeah. Uh, I, I just worry that we're, in, we're approaching some kind of like new, um, almost like an industrial revolution where there's going to be like 20 years where the entire world needs to kind of recalibrate for all this automation and um maybe yeah. our industry is one of the last ones to get automated but it's it's gonna happen eventually yeah i think it's 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 one of those things that's kind of difficult like i mean you know like a film connoisseur a person that loves film like myself like i'm all about like oh that lens that that person uses the light or whatever you know like i'll study blade runner but then you know i don't think my daughter gives a shit when she's watching youtube i look at the video she watches <laughs> it's the worst production quality i've ever seen in my life it's like somebody shaking a hold like holding a stupid iphone like shaking it and, and yelling into it and then she's just, she's getting she's pumped on it and she doesn't care you know yeah. and, and i and i sit there and go like man am i like if i i guess i just care about things that like i guess i mean i don't know i guess it's the equivalent of like you know mcdonald's compared to like a, a good quality f- food i mean people still will go to the good quality food there's enough people on this planet to do that but it's just i don't know it's just kind of sad you know 
Like, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a thing happening too with like fragmentation. Whereas, you know, when we were kids, like there'd only be a few like really big movies to come out every year, and that that was all of culture. You know, it was like yeah. it was yeah. like those movies, and everybody was on the same page. Everybody was watching the same stuff. Now there's so many series and so many TV shows across all these different mediums and platforms and networks and stuff. It's like uh, everything is becoming more and more. Uh, customized and kind of um tailored for these smaller niche groups and um i just i feel like we're that's kind of what we're seeing with these like lower production values is like well if you're if you have to make a unique video for a million different groups uh it can't be the production value of a summer blockbuster it kind of has to you know the production value has to suffer because you're making so many videos a24 is doing some really interesting things and it's i have a couple of friends that are producers and they're telling me about their business model it makes a lot of sense they you know as long as they can make a film under like four to five mil production complete um they spend the rest of it on like really smart social media marketing like instagram and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and then they get enough to re- return the, the investment so they're not spending like you know, when you see these Hollywood movies are they're investing, you know, 150 plus million dollars. It's a, which kind of like funny, like fart money for like Google, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like, it's like, it's like toilet paper money for them. But like, it's for the Hollywood. It's so funny. Cause when you really look at the numbers, you look at that, like say video games and stuff like world of Warcraft, just that video game alone. I think that that video game alone just crushes like all movies, all movies for like, years, yeah. like for like a decade or something. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's, it all comes down to the numbers game, which is kind of funny, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like that they've figured out a way of making uh, a system in their market. A 24, I think is the name of the studio, which made the killing of a sacred deer and like all these kind of independent, interesting, you know, I guess you could coin them as art house films. Um, but yeah, they're, they're quite interesting and their business model is figured. They figured that business model out. And I enjoy it because they're able to, they found a way to make movies that I'm like, okay, cool. It doesn't take like a million executives and like millions of dollars to do it. Like I'm, I'm able to enjoy this like little thing, but there's mass, massive fragmentation, um, that's happening. Incredible fragmentation. It's like to get somebody's attention, it's the information war, but it's also the attention war. It's a war on attention and information retention, you know? So it's like, it's so complicated and so massive and crazy. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if we, I don't know if any of us have the answers. Maybe some people do, um, but I don't, I don't know who they are. So if you're, if you know who this person is that has these answers, let us, <laughs> let us know. We'll have them on the show and we'll make fart jokes at them and stuff. It'll be great. <laughs> um, well, I, wonder, I wonder if we're moving towards like absolute total fragmentation where just each individual person kind of has all content just tailored specifically for them and their likes and their interests. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I I, I kind of there's a weird thing for me personally. I, like I, you know, when you post something up, you know what your intentions are, and I think that's why you've kind of grenaded your Twitter because you're like, this is lame, you know. I'm not, <laughs> I like I know you know what I'm talking about that pressure yeah. before you post something and whether it's going to be good or not or whatever. Like even if you don't care, there's a part of you that cares. They don't, that's the only reason you'd share something, you know, to get feedback of some sort, you know, whether it's good sure. or bad or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I'm posting things, I'm trying to think of like my audience, but also mostly I just think about what I would like, you know, and that's really, that's hard to do that, to listen to your inner voice, you know, cause like, I'm not into just the same thing. I think most people are like, Oh, you like UI? I'm like, yeah, I guess <laughs> like, I like so many more things. I'm not just a UI guy. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to just be like the, 
over and over a redundant UI guy. It's like, that's there. I'm a human being. There's multiple different facets to this situation here, you know? So, but making those changes and moves and all that kind of stuff, I think are interesting as a creative who are, um, so who are some creatives out there today that you enjoy, that you enjoy, like, um, you get pleasure from watching them or seeing their work. Um, good question. Um, I mean, David Rudnick has always been probably one of my bigger inspirations as far as uh, graphic design goes. Mm. Uh, I really love David's work. Um, and I think he has a really unique style. He does, um, yeah. there's, uh, there's some young kids too, that I think are really, uh, are really killing it. Have you ever heard of Mikey Joyce? Mikey Joyce. I have not. Let's see, I'm looking it up now. How do you spell um, his last name? J O Y C E, I believe. Okay. Design. Uh, yeah, he does like graphic design, I guess you would call it. Um, it was cool. He's, uh, he just has such a unique style. Um, it's almost like collage a lot of his work. Um, but it, it reminds me a lot of Rudnick. Um, yeah, they're like Rudnick baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like baby Rudnick. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, going to hate us. Sorry. I don't mean to insult you. Sorry, yes. David. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mikey. Um, yeah, but I, I really like Mikey's work. I think it's so unique. Mikey um, Rudnick. All right. Mikey Rudnick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Damn it. No, these are cool. I, I dig it. This is rad. It's very like, it's, it's got a really cool, like, yeah, collage style to it. Very cool. Um, um, another another one from that school is uh, Ezra Miller. <laughs> Ezra Miller. He, Ezra Miller, uh, who's an actor, but this guy is a uh, is like an incredible shader writer guy, um, and he does these like really cool, um, just like full screen, just like mind melt um, shader effect things that are really cool. Um, I guess you would call him kind of a designer as well. He's an artist. He's an actor, though, right? That's a different guy. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say like because this guy is like in this movie. So okay, I was yeah. Okay, uh, let me see if I could find him. I don't know. It's, it's always reminds me of like um, my friend Ollie Moss, and then like there's this like actor like Ollie Murs or something. And then he would always yeah, get confused yeah. for the two uh, for the actor. He's like, I'm not Ollie Murs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this guy's website is Ezra Miller Biz B I Z. biz all about the biz mm, cool oh yeah this is definitely your kind of art it's fucking super freaky oh this is cool this is a trip he does <laughs> like um installations and stuff huh oh that's cool yeah just like live graphics installations just yeah any of that like just Shit. graphics porn type stuff so he's getting funky <laughs> uh, it looks like he might have collaborated yeah, he's too. friends with yeah. he's friends with uh, Rudnick and uh, I think Mikey as well. Yeah, yeah, very cool. They were all they're all thick together. It's cool. Yeah, it was so funny because you had sent me that David Rudnick talk, which I just loved. I thought he was just he's so good at speaking publicly, and yeah. was, his talk was so great. And then, ironically, I ended up getting in touch with him, and then um, we started text messaging, and then I was he's like. He's out in the UK. I think he's lo- located in, I think he got his house in Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, Ghent or something. And then he's like, I'm going to be in the area um, like in a week. And I was like, yeah, let's go for a hike. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I didn't know if he was going to do it. And then, yeah, we went up and we're in the mountains, just broke back style, just freaking <laughs> running around. It was great. It was, it was fun. We got 
totally soaked, got rained on the whole time. It was fun though. These guys are cool though, very different, very unique. It's very progressive art. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of the industry is kind of in this, like, I don't know, like just regurgitating all the same styles and kind of just all spitting it back to each other. And so I, I really look out for like artists that are completely kind of outside that world. Um, I don't know. Just yeah, outliers. Doing yeah. yeah. Yeah, they definitely are in the outlier sense. But it's interesting. They have their own tribe, too, which is cool, like a creative tribe. You always see that too. You know, you see like the, um, you know, people that are into the same kind of style or same aesthetic, they amass to one another. And it's mostly just, I think it's just, you know, from my standpoint, it's, it's a communication, you know, everybody's communicating. They have their own signal or flute sound, you know, <laughs> or whistle sound and they just, you know, accumulate to one another. So, but yeah, man, this has been really great talking with you and great to catch up. Hopefully we didn't offend too many people. If you got offended, <laughs> like just take a breather, you know, take a walk, you know, relax a little bit. And honestly, if we offended you or upset you, it's probably because we're right or it's true. And that's when it hurts the most. So take a breather, <laughs> relax a little bit. We're not intending to hurt anybody's feelings. We really aren't. I think both of us, that's not our deal, you know, so um, but yeah, with, let's, you know, what are your guys' thoughts? You know, this podcast is, is, is put on this website called SoundCloud and you can chuck a ton of comments in there if you want. And sometimes I usually don't pay attention to them cause I don't like noise in my life, but I will go <laughs> and look at this one. If you guys are going to be cool, if not, I'm just going to freaking never look at them again. But, um, <laughs> blanket th threats everywhere i'm sorry i'm just being a total asshole um but no i mean for reals like if you guys have ideas of how we can make this stuff better you know if you found what we're talking about interesting if we should do this again who we should bring on and talk about with this stuff if it is is our industry worth fighting for is this um, any of this stuff interesting to you are you a new creative are you a veteran Where's, what's your standpoint on this? What, what are you thinking about for this? Because I, I'm curious. I think Albert's curious as well. And um, I don't think we want to see it die, you know? So maybe Albert does, but yeah. No, no. I'm just Save joking. it, please. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Albert for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. We hope you got some, you know, deep thoughts on this and, you know, got some questions if you're mad or angry or if you're happy or whatever. Um, if you want to be activated into this conversation or want to be, you know, active in this, feel free to use SoundCloud in the chat inside there and tag us in there if you want. Or you can also get at us on Twitter as well. So feel free to reach us uh, to us on either of those channels. Um, again, we don't want to offend anybody. We hope that this conversation didn't offend anybody necessarily, but it got you thinking, you know, that's the goal. Um, and uh, yeah, the typical, you can find links to our show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 175. You can also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. So here we go, everybody. Have an amazing day. Be powerful. Be prolific. We hope you guys enjoyed this one. Peace out, everyone. <laughs>